And uh, hi, my name is Trey Bailey. I am a associate pastor at Eastridge Church and um, really excited to be with you guys today. Uh, I know a lot of you were anticipating seeing Gary Thompson up here, but ha ha, uh, you get me instead. Gary is actually moving his daughter to Texas today. Uh, this is actually the last part of this week. She got a job at a church uh, in Texas. And so we just celebrate with Gary and his family, uh, the wonderful things that God is doing in their lives. Uh, and so we're just, um, he needed somebody to fill in today. Cameron was singing and they went through about eight other people on the list. They said, could Trey do it? And I'm like, oh yeah, I can do it. So, anyway, hey, my name's Trey. Uh, you might not have seen me before, but been here a while, been at the church for a while. So, uh, glad to be here today. Gary told me, he gave me a little secret. He said, if you start off, if you start off with an illustration about food, you got them. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with an illustration about food. We got any pizza people in the house? Pizza folks? Okay, good. Now I'm talking about high class pizza. Okay. Pizza Hut. Oh. <laughs> Not high class? That wasn't high class? Anybody remember the old red and white uh, tablecloths and the Gallagher machine? Oh, man, that's so good. All right. It went back in time. Pizza Hut, if you know, this is a little inter crowd interaction here. If you know what their pizza with all the toppings on it is called, just shout that out. Supreme. Okay, yeah, you guys really do go there. Supreme. What does Supreme mean? It is the best, right? It's everything. It's everything. Supreme is everything. Guess what? There's another pizza at Pizza Hut. It's not on the menu. And it's got three extra toppings. Guess what it's called? Ultimate. Ultimate's good. What was that? Extra Supreme. That's a good guess. Super Supreme. Who said it? You order the Super Supreme, don't you? That's a true pizza lover. A super supreme. It's really like saying the same word twice, right? Supreme, supreme. Super and supreme is the same thing. But it's like whatever the best is, is supreme. It's got everything. Oh, but there's one more. It's the super supreme. All right. $5 if you can name all those three toppings without looking at Google. There's three extra toppings. I'm kidding. We can't. I don't even think you're supposed to do that in church. But sorry about that. Sorry about that. So... So there's three extra toppings. One's going to be the easy one, black olives. Okay, that's one of the extra toppings. The, the second extra topping, I don't remember. And then the third one, get this. Now, hey, it's Italian sausage. No, no, a lot of you are going, wait, wait, wait. I get the Supreme, and there's sausage on there. No, according to the menu, on the Supreme, it's spicy pork, which is... Italian, I mean, that's sausage? I don't know. So apparently there's another thing hidden in the back somewhere that's Italian sausage that's different than the spicy pork that you get on the Supreme. So Super Supreme. Everybody say it with me. Super Supreme. Why does that matter? Okay. Because whatever you think in the world is the greatest thing in the world, whoever you think is the greatest in the world, I hope it's Jesus, but let's say it's anything else. It's created, or maybe it's something spiritual and it's uncreated, uh, not even, we can't see it. There's something greater, some big power, there's something that's really, really cool, and it's supreme. And I'm going to tell you today that there's a super supreme, and the super supreme is Jesus. Jesus is the super supreme. It, try to not picture him with toppings, okay? <laughs> but if you learn nothing else today, I want you to know that Christ is the supreme. super supreme. Thank you very much. Message over. I'm, I'm not leaving. Don't leave yet. Hang on. I also listened to the message last week. And, uh, you know, Gary likes his top tens. And he started off with some, if you were here last week, you remember uh, things that are good versus things that are bad. Y'all remember that? 
And he listed one. And he said, kombucha. And I'm listening online, so it's just audio. And I literally hear several people in the congregation go, what's that? What? <laughs> kombucha. This is kombucha. I am a, a, a big fan of kombucha. It helps with some of the gut problems you might be having. So uh, I would highly prescribe kombucha. It's <laughs> sold over the counter. Uh, comes in a lovely flavor of pomegranate. Uh, this is the Health Aid Kombucha version. And uh, here's, listen. Could y'all hear that? Okay, well, it's like, it's uh, carbonated. So that's good. But you have to get past the, it smells like uh, you're dying Easter eggs. Yeah, I know. It sounds delicious. Once you get past that smell, it actually is delicious and it's good for you. So today's sermon brought to you by Health Aid Kombucha. You can find at your local Ingles. All right, but for real, today we're talking about Christ being the super supreme. And this passage in Colossians is just, oh, I don't have to, I'm not going to preach it to you today. I'm just going to read it to you, make some comments on it. And, and it's just that powerful. All right, it's that powerful. And it's maybe the, maybe the first Christian hymn, at least uh, verses 15 through 20. So that's probably the first Christian hymn. If you, if you open up the Pew Bibles or one of your own Bibles, you might even see the text is kind of looks like a poem. It's set off like a poem. And so that kind of indicates to us, if we're reading it today, that it's some sort of poetry or it's a song. And it's not like the songs we just sang, not that those weren't great. They were fantastic, but it's a hymn. So it's something that's, it's, it digs deep into some theological truths. And theology just means the, the study of God. So theology, the study of God. It digs into some theological truths that are in this hymn. All right, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to cover this hymn in just a minute. But I want to give you a, a quick kind of recap, maybe from last week, to point you into to the rest of the series. And the series is called Christ in You. Christ in me, Christ in you. And the whole book of Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul, probably around 60 or 62 AD. So a long time ago, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. But it was written to a, a, the church at Colossae. So just like you guys, or maybe the church in Georgia, we could like look at it like maybe the church in Georgia. And so it was written to Colossae. And the, the, there were some people who were teaching some stuff in that church. There was something additional to Jesus. It's like you, you need Jesus and maybe something else, maybe something spiritual or maybe something that's mystical or could just be some extra laws that'll keep you connected to Jesus. But there was some other philosophy that was going around that said, you need something else. And I believe it's completely appropriate for us to read this letter to the Georgians, as us, because there are philosophies in this world today that drag and pull and want to make us want to drift away from what is truth. And so if we believe something to be truth, which we believe scripture to be truth, if you're a new person here, Eastridge believes this is truth. The Bible is truth. Okay? And if we believe it to be true, then we act in a way that is in accordance with what the scripture says. All right. So we'll get we'll tie all this together in just a few minutes. But I want you to learn. I love, I love big words that are crazy. So here's two big words that are foundational for us to understand today. Orthodoxy. <laughs> It's a funny one. Uh, orthopraxy, which is even funnier sounding. I'm sorry, 12-year-old boy. Orthopraxy. All right, orthodoxy. Ortho, the first word in that. Uh, anybody been to the orthodontist? A lot of people have not been to the, You need to go to the orthodontist. Some of you. What do they do? Straighten teeth. Okay? Sorry, I, I need to go to the orthodontist as well. I'm not throwing shade. Just Ortho means straighten, straight. And... Uh, 
Orthodontics means teeth. So the orthodontist straightens teeth. Now, orthodoxy, say it with me. Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is straight uh, doctrine, straight thought, uh, correct teaching, right teaching. All right? So you've probably heard orthodoxy before. That's just right teaching, right understanding. Orthopraxy, say it with me. Orthopraxy. That's going to be right or straight practice. The way in which you live out what you say you believe. So the way Christianity works, or should work, is that our orthodoxy, the right way in which we think, should play out in our orthopraxy, the right way in which we live and practice. Now, a lot of churches will get the orthodoxy right, right? Like this really strong on doctrine. Man, if you believe these things, and we're going to teach you these things, and if you understand these things, when you get to heaven, you can pass St. Peter's little you know, SAT quiz about the Bible, and if you get all those things marked off right, because you have right thinking, orthodoxy, then you get in. You're in heaven. Some churches think that way without the practice. They don't have to live like that. They just have to believe the right thing. Now, orthopraxy. There are a lot of churches, and some of you might have grown up in one of these, where you had to practice the right way. You had to look the part. You had to act a certain way. You had to put on the mask when you came to church and smile and wave at everybody after you just got fussing in the car. You know, hey, everybody, how's it going? Hey, everybody. Or looking and acting and doing the right things, but without any kind of right belief. We call that legalism, right? It just looks like a thing. And we despise those churches. I shouldn't say that. We don't love that. We don't want to go through emotions and not have a true heart of repentance. So, church, here you go. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Your right thinking should lead to right doing. Right thinking, right doing. Okay, we've chased a couple of rabbits here so far because Christ is super supreme, but then we got this orthodoxy, orthopraxy mess going on, right? Let's tie it together. The best way to do that is me just to read you the Bible. All right. So you'll follow along Colossians uh, chapter one, verse 15, picking up where Gary taught last week. And Paul writes, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed. Christ existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Now, I'm going to finish reading this in the, the, the TRV, the Trey Redneck version. And when I get to Supreme, and you're more than welcome to join me in it, it's super supreme. It's better than Supreme, y'all. Christ is the visible of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is super supreme over all creation. For through him, for through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He, Christ, made the things that we can see, that's you and me, and he made the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. There's a whole unseen world that's happening. You probably believe that. There's powers that are fighting right now that make you maybe want to do things that you don't want to do. And there's uh, forces in the world that's evil, and we know that they're going against what is all what, what is everything that is good, and that is God, that is Christ, that is the Holy Spirit. So picking up there again, there's these rules and authorities in the unseen world, but the good news is Christ made all of those. Everything was created through Christ and for Christ. He, Christ, existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church. 
which is his body. He is the beginning and the super supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Read that line with me. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness, which we can't even imagine the fullness of God. God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, to dwell in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Christ's blood on the cross. The blood in the Old Testament was like a holy detergent. Blood cleansed people. Um, In uh, uh, Hebrews, it says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. There's no, you know, the blood must be shed in order for, for our sins to be forgiven. And Christ did that at the cross. So three real quick things. They're S's. And like a good Baptist preacher, we'll give you three S's to remember if you can. Christ is super supreme. You've already learned that one. Christ is sufficient. And Christ is Savior. So he's super supreme. He's better than anything ever, ever that was created. And he is everything. He's super everything. He's super supreme. And then he's sufficient. Because all the fullness of God dwelled in him. That's sufficiency right there. You want something that'll never let you down? How about all of the power of the universe that God has in Christ Jesus in you? Now, that's a beautiful truth. That is sufficiency. So he's super supreme. He's super sufficient. And he's your super savior. Anybody anybody watch Marvel comics or Marvel comic universe stuff? Okay. DC Comics, any of that stuff? Y'all watch those things, Superman? Pales in comparison to our super savior. He doesn't wear a, he doesn't even wear a cape. Yeah, our super savior. I don't know if you remember, there was a scene, and I don't know if it was in the Avengers or what. It's one of my favorite scenes in all of the thing, but Loki's a bad guy. I'm going to lose a lot of you real quick. Loki's a bad guy. He's a bad god, and he comes down to earth, and he's trying to fight the Hulk, and Hulk is massive. He's super massive, but he's not super supreme, but he's massive. And Loki's going bumping up the gum, bumping the gums. He's about, about, I'm the best guy. You're not, you should bow down to me or whatever. And Hulk just grabs him and like flings him across the room. And then this is my best Hulk. He goes puny god <laughs> because that's not super supreme. That's not super sufficient. That's not a super savior. But Christ is because Christ is everything. And some of your, your translations, it ends with Christ is preeminent. That's another big fancy word that just means he's above everything. Christ is super supreme. He was the firstborn of creation. Firstborn of creation. Christ, let me get some orthodoxy here, some right thinking. Christ wasn't born uh, like he's not the kid of God, right? Yes, he came to earth. He was born of the Virgin Mary. That was a miraculous thing, but he's fully man, fully God. Mystery, but, but he's God. The fullness of God, we just read, was pleased to dwell in Christ. But the firstborn, that language of being the firstborn, was just like Old Testament uh, language in the Jewish culture. If you were the firstborn, it just meant that you got all the inheritance. You got all the power. Uh, when, when dad passes away, you get everything. You get sovereign reign and control. Uh, Psalm 89 speaks to David being the firstborn, even though David wasn't 
the first kid born of his family from his father, but yet he was the one who was chosen to be king. So he's the firstborn. He got all the sovereign power, the sovereign rule. And so what we hear, when we read in this, this early Christian hymn that Christ is the firstborn of all creation, it's just saying he gets it all. He gets everything. It all belongs to him. He created all of it. And if he can create it, he belongs to him. Now he is sufficient. And he holds all things together. Check this out. This is one little, uh, we call these God winks, like when, when we see something in nature or science or whatever, and we go, wow, that's just a little God wink. He's reminding us that he's there. He's reminding us that he has everything under the control and he's holding all of the universe together. He's holding all of creation together. And you might've heard of this. We, we've learned it from a Louis Giglio sermon. He's a pastor in Atlanta. But there's this, this tiny molecule, Stephanie, help me. All right, it's, a, it's an adhesion molecule called laminin. You both are right. Uh, Stephanie has to help me with the big, bigger words. Adhesion molecule. And so we all have this adhesion molecule in our body everywhere, all, millions of them all through our body called laminin. And this laminin, it literally holds us together. It holds the other atoms together. It holds all these cells together. It holds the skin on your body. It holds your heart in place. This laminin all through your body. And wouldn't you know it, when scientists go to dig in and they drill down and they find this little laminin molecule, it's in the shape of a cross. No, no lie, y'all. You can't make this stuff up. Ask scientists. <laughs> you don't take my word for it. Ask scientists or Google or YouTube laminin. And you're going to see it's in the shape of a cross. And that's just a little God wink going, hey, I got you. I'm holding everything together. I'm holding it all together. Christ is super supreme. Christ is super sufficient, and he's going to be our super savior. Christ being a super savior is a really big deal if you're an Old Testament Jew because the whole Old Testament is written about this Messiah that would come. And Messiah it just means the anointed king. So this anointed king would come, this, this Christ. And this Christ would come, and this Christ would save the Jewish people from their sin. And all of the Old Testament laws and all of their rituals, all of that would be fulfilled in Christ, we read in the New Testament. But he's coming to save his people. At least that's what it looks like. When you read the Old Testament, if you're a Jewish person, you just read, man, this is, he's coming. He's coming to save us. He's coming to save us. Any Jews in here? Okay, I didn't think so. That's bad news for us. If the Old Testament talks about this Christ, this Messiah that's going to come and save and rescue all of these Jewish people, these chosen people, we're not them. In Scripture, we're called Gentiles. It's almost like a bad word. You're not Jew. If you're not a Jew, everybody else, they didn't even put you in categories. You were either Jewish or you were everybody else, and everybody else were Gentiles. Hey, Gentiles, that's me and you. So the letter written to the church of Georgia is filled with Georgians who are Gentiles, and it doesn't sound like good news that there's going to be this rescuer for those people, but not for us. So how is he super savior? Paul finishes this passage here, verse 21 through 23. And this is kind of like his commentary now on that Christ hymn that they maybe, maybe they just sung together. I don't know. But they just went to this beautiful Christ as the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything. And I don't know the tune, so I can't make it up. But he's first in everything. He's supreme. He's sufficient. He holds all things together. And then he ends, you know, he says, and he's made peace. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
end of the song, verse 21, this includes you, Gentiles. This, this includes me and you. The good news that came to the Jews is actually for you and me too. And Paul's revealing that to us. Later in this chapter, he calls it a mystery. The mystery is, and you talked about it last week, Gary talked about it. The mystery that Paul was talking about is that Christ is alive in you. And Gentiles too. We get it. We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of all of that supremacy and that that sufficiency. And his saving work is meant for you and I too. That's the gospel. That is the good news. So in 21, he says, this includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemies. You separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. We were separated by our evil thoughts and our evil actions. We were separated by our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy, right? Our right thinking and our right actions. We didn't have those. And prior to Christ, you didn't have those. And I didn't have those. We had poo-poo praxy. Sorry. This is a 12-year-old boy. I can't help it. But that's what we had before. We had stinking thinking that led to stinking actions. And even when we tried hard to do the right thing, it didn't come from the right motive. And so we got to tie all that together. And this is who has done that is Christ, the super supreme, Christ, the super sufficient one, Christ, the savior. And so there in, in 21, when he says, um, you were once enemies, you're separated by him from your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. And as a result, this is the equal sign of the equation. And as a result, he has brought you into his presence. Christ has brought you into his presence and you are, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without one single fault. You are holy and blameless. It was the last song we sang in Cornerstone. Like that when he returns, we could, we could stand faultless before the throne. Y'all, here's where your feelings can get in the way of the truth. We don't often feel holy and blameless before the Lord. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say we. I. I don't often feel holy and blameless before the Lord because I know what goes on in here. I know what I'm apt to think and do and say, even from up here. I just said poo-poo praxy. <laughs> Gary's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> we can't do it on our own. And if you fall into to the pit, the trap of feelings, I don't feel holy, I don't feel faultless then you're looking at the wrong place. You're looking to the wrong person because you aren't by yourself. Super supreme, super sufficient, and you're certainly not a super savior. Sorry. But the good news is that Christ is alive in me. And if you've surrendered your life to Christ, then Christ is in you. And if you believe that, if you truly believe that, that what this word is telling you is true, then you will practice that and you will live that 
and you'll be that. And you may say, that's too hard. It's too hard to be a Christian. It's too hard to follow all those rules. And I would go, you're right. It is hard work. It is difficult to do. And there's a partnership that happens between you and the Lord. Now, when you stand before him faultless before the throne, it's not going to be because of what you've done. It'll be because he sees Christ in you. So if you've surrendered to him, that's great. But how do you live on this earth during this time? How do you live this way that says, yes, I am a Christian? It's how you practice it. How you live it out. And so just to finish this part, at the end of 22 when he says, um, as a result, he has brought, he's brought you into his own presence and you're holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. There's a big but. <laughs> Sorry. There is a big but. 23. Big but. You're going to stand holy and blameless without a single fault, but you must continue to believe. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Church, can you believe this truth and stand firmly in it? Because Paul writes this as a affirmative. He's, like, he's saying you can it's not like, but you, you, you could do this. No, no, you can. You can do this. You can do this because Christ is alive in you. And if Christ is alive in you, then you can continue and believe in this truth and stand firmly in it. And you won't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, the gospel. And this good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And he's called you to proclaim it. He's called me to proclaim it, not just in the words that you say, but in the way that you live. And you will go through some tough times. And there will be difficulties. And some days you're going to feel like giving up. And you're looking to the wrong person when that happens. And we have to put our eyes back on the cross. How do we keep our eyes on the cross? How do we keep our eyes on Jesus, the super supreme, super sufficient, super supreme? How do we keep our eyes on him all the time? you got to be in His Word. And look, this isn't legalism. This doesn't save you. I'm just telling you how to stay in His, how to keep Him on your mind all the time. You stay in His Word. You pray. And I don't mean like you wake up in the morning and pray. You go, when you lay your head down at night, you pray. You pray during the day. You pray at your meals. You pray all the time. Eyes closed, eyes open, out loud, in your mind. But you're always talking. You're praying without ceasing. Because you're having a conversation all the time with the one that you love the most. If you say what you believe to be true and you love him because he is winsome and super kind and super compassionate and super loving and he's, he's super on your side. Whatever sin it is that you go, he's not sufficient for that. He can't save me from that. Oh, then you're not understanding and you're not hearing the truth. You're feeling something. Quit feeling something. And start thinking something. Right thinking, right teaching that leads to right actions. And I'll just end with this because I feel like that warning, there is the but there to warn us that we must continue to believe this truth. Stand firmly. Don't drift. In order to do that, you need to be in the Word. You need to be in Scripture. Or you need to be in prayer. You need to be meeting with other believers who can encourage you in this, that you can talk about. That's why we have these growth groups. We make these offer to you where you can get connected with other believers. 
If you don't think growth groups for you, then get into some little text thread with somebody, some other believer, a group of believers that just says, hey, have you, you prayed today? Like I'm, I just said my prayers. You said your prayers? Good, great. I'm, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to hit you up at lunch. Hey, did you pray? Ah, I forgot. All right, good. Now's the time. Let's do it. And it, it's just a level of accountability. It's not self-righteousness. It's not even patting each other on the back. It's just, hey, are you, remember, are you remembering Jesus? Right now, are you remembering Jesus? It is it's hard. It, look, it's hard work. We were singing songs just now about Jesus to Jesus. And I, could, I kept thinking about the lightsabers changing colors. I was like, oh, did you see that? It changed to blue. That was cool. Ah, Jesus. I mean, I'm in a church building singing songs of Jesus and I still get distracted and forget about Jesus. Y'all, it's that easy. That's why we need each other. When, when Paul writes, and I'll, I'll end here, when, when Paul writes Christ in you, he's saying Christ in y'all. It's like, I wish scripture was written that way where we could understand the yous when they're plural. It's Christ in y'all. It's not Christ just in you, Darcy. Not just in me. It's Christ in his church. Christ is alive in all of us. And we need all of us to then have orthopraxy, to live this out daily, to do this the way he wants us to do it, the way he's called us to do it. We need each other. We need each other on Sunday to hear orthodoxy, right preaching, right teaching. And we need each other to live it out, orthopraxy, right actions, right practice. So don't go it alone. Now let's finish with this bit right here. I keep saying that. That's, that's a preacher trick right there. And I'll end with this. And then I'll end with this. I want to tell you all the whole book of Colossians. Just the last verse, and it's not on the screen, but here's the last verse, what Paul writes in after his commentary on all of this. And he says, I work and struggle so hard. I work and struggle so hard. Paul who saw the risen Savior, Jesus. He says, I work and I struggle so hard. You're going to work and struggle so hard if you're doing this right, y'all. You're going to struggle. It's going to be hard to make friends. It's going to be introverts. It's going to be hard to get in a group. I know it. It's hard to get them to go to church sometimes. I work and I struggle so hard, but here's how he ends it. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I work and I struggle. But Christ's mighty power works in me, and he'll work in you. So the bottom line today is, what we learned is he's super supreme, he's super sufficient, and he's the super savior. So that means Christ is everything. Christ is everything. Not the new truck, not the job promotion, not even the Georgia Bulldogs. Got my red and black on. Christ is everything. Anything that you put above that, anything you think about more than you think about Christ is now your God. Don't do that. And get people around you that will help you not do that. So Christ is everything and he's in me. He's in you. Christ is everything in me, changing everything. So hang on to that thread this week. Hang on to that thought that Christ is everything in me, changing everything. And it's all for his glory. The super supreme, super sufficient, super savior, Christ our Lord and Savior. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so thankful for your word that is truth to us, and we just rest on that and that alone today, just knowing that you are so 
good and so much greater than everything that you've even created. The things that we can't see, you're greater than those things. And the philosophies of the world, you're greater than those things. You're greater than any political party. You're greater than any nation. You're greater than any king. You're greater than any want or need or desire from our own self. You're greater than me. I get in the way, God, so much. But you're greater than all of that. It's because that you've given us Christ Jesus who reconciled us with the blood of on the cross, but now is alive in us. I can't even fathom it. And so, Lord, help us not to feel that, but to know it. Help us to know it in our heart because your word says it's true. That you're alive in us. And so, Lord, when we find ourselves thinking the wrong way, we find ourselves in, in places we shouldn't be or going down a, 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 a thought pattern, a, a thought that we shouldn't have, Lord, would you just remind us of Christ in us? Convict us, Lord, and let us lead us to repentance. Then that to be a beautiful thing where we say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry my thoughts are going that way. I'm sorry that that's more important to me than you are. Remind me again of your goodness. Remind me of your mercy and your grace and remind me that your blood covers all things. And now there is remission for sins. And so we trust in you, Lord. We trust in your goodness and your grace. And we just surrender ourselves to you today. Now lead us into those relationships that will help with this. Lord, you do that in the way that only you can, whether it's signing up for a growth group or whether it's getting into some accountability team or just texting a friend. Lord, whatever it is, lay it on our hearts today. And so we'll be committed to being here at your church. We'll be committed to being in the body of Christ, connected with other believers who could help us. So great and holy and powerful God, Christ, our Savior, and through the Holy Spirit, we make this our prayer to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Look, Gary will be back next week. Tell him you saw kombucha in in person. Today, right after church, the uh, After Church podcast will be coming out. We'll be live all week, uh, or it'll be available all week. Make sure you watch that. We dig it a little more, make it a little more practical uh, life application. Use your bookmarks to be uh, staying in the reading plan. I'm just rattle known. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.